Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening from Coolidge, Arizona. This is the continuing study in Daniel. And... Um, we're so glad uh, for you that are tuned in and for uh, those that are here this evening <clears throat> so that we can once again share in this uh, exciting adventure, I guess, uh, concerning Daniel's visions. Um, I'd like to add this evening that um, it's encouraging to get uh, comments and uh, suggestions and um, things of that sort uh, during the week um, concerning this program. And uh, that, that's the idea. That's what, of course, makes it all very worthwhile to be dealing with these things uh, and finding interest as we do so. So as we continue this week, um, if you'll remember... Last week, we were deep into the Daniel vision of the Medo-Persian Empire. Then, the Greek Empire, and by the way, the Medo-Persian Empire was represented by a ram, and the Greek Empire uh, was represented by a he-goat. Then, we have the, the uh, four generals of the Greek Empire that that grew up after that one horn was broken off, who is Alexander the Great. His death was in 323 B.C. And all these things are rolling on together within just a few verses. And we closed our lesson with what Daniel's vision called a strong horn coming out of one of the four horns, uh, who, of course, are the four generals, uh, or rulers that settled in um, in place of Alexander and split up the kingdom in four different ways, almost geographically. Now, this stronghorn that came from the Seleucid kingdom, known as the Northern Kingdom later on in Daniel's um, later chapters, his name is Antiochus IV, his rule was from 175 B.C. through 164 B.C. Not an extremely long rule, but nonetheless, he was um, very busy about his nefarious deeds. This king is the subject of Daniel chapter 8, verses 9 through 14, uh, most of which we read last week. <clears throat> The Antiochus IV was also known as Epimanos, which is in their language the madman. So we can pretty much get an idea of uh, what he was up to. 
his deeds concerned Israel in large part and the host of Israel, as we read last week. And I think that's interesting too. And this was, this was really hard for Daniel to see concerning his people. <clears throat> the deeds, as I said, were nefarious of this king towards Israel. In about 170 B.C., BC uh, during his reign, he did this. And just a few things that are known both um, in secular history. And, of course, he captured Jerusalem after going through the, the uh, territory of Israel and, and warring there, too. He massacred the people wherever he found them. He despoiled the temple in Jerusalem. He burnt the city, tore down the walls. When this is all, these are all normal things that happen. Uh, although he did something a little, a little uh, more uh, nefarious, he sacrificed swine on the altar in the temple area. Now, of course, this would have been the reason that the temple was despoiled uh, outside of even the destruction. He also built an idol in the temple area and set it up. He stopped the daily sacrifice um, in Jerusalem and anywhere else. He forbade the Israelites to circumcise their, their male uh, children on pain of death for anyone that was doing so. So that was 170 B.C. He did this within a couple of years. In 168 B.C., the Maccabean Wars erupted in protest, of course, to Antiochus IV. Now, all of this is occurring in the vision in Daniel chapter 8. And we've, uh, from verse 1, clear through the end of the chapter. Then, in a span of about three or four years, the Maccabean Revolt is successful. 165 B.C. is the date we find in secular history. The temple is cleansed, and of course the repairs made, and the daily sacrifice begin once again on a new altar. And if you will look at the, uh, the, the readings in both Josephus' secular history, which is Josephus, of course, the Maccabees, especially chapter 1, or uh, book 1 of the Maccabees, and book 2. The other, the other Maccabean books are not really as reliable or helpful, but Maccabees 1 certainly is in recording this history. Um, you're going to find that the, the, the Jews of the land attributed to the providence of God their defeat of Antiochus IV, and the, and the northern kingdom. Uh, no one would have thought that the Maccabees could have done this. But that's why we consider the providence of God, because it was time for restoration in Israel. And this is what's spoken of uh, in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 8 that I'll read right now. We didn't read that last week. 
so I'll add them now to kind of fill in. And I heard one saint speaking. Of course, Daniel is seeing this in his vision. A saint being uh, representing an angel in heaven, a heavenly, be- heavenly being. And the saint said to a certain one speaking, How long shall the vision continue? Even the removal of the sacrifice and the bringing in of the sin of desolation. And how long shall the sanctuary and the host be trampled? And he said to him, Evening and morning there shall be 2,400 days. And then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Now there's a little difference in the Alexandrian uh, text of the Septuagint. Uh, it, it believe, I believe it says 2,300 days. And seeing as though um, <clears throat> this looks like a rounded off number anyway, uh, and the other fact is the uh, Jews had a year that consisted of 360 days we may, we may have a little bit of room in there for uh, a few days. Yeah. So I just want you to know that because the 2300 and the 2400, you may find them listed. And that fits loosely with the time period that I've just been speaking of, which is about six and a half years. Um, of course, when I started the dating at 170 B.C., I was speaking of capturing Jerusalem. But believe me, the the struggle and the war started before that. So let's not forget that. Now this is what was spoken of. Now here is where we run into an issue. When people are studying Daniel and things to do with uh, so-called end times eschatology, this sort of thing, there's a lot of confusion about the account in uh, Daniel 8 and the account we find in Daniel 7. So let's not confuse this event that Daniel has seen in this vision with what is spoken and what we have studied in Daniel 7.25. Let's go to 7.25 on our board and I'll read it to you and you get the idea of what we're talking about here. Daniel 7.25 And he shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And he shall think to change the times and the laws, and they shall be given into his hand until the time and times and half a time. Okay? Now, this of course is speaking of the eleventh horn. Daniel 7 is speaking of the 11th horn that came out of, that's the way the Greek has it, come out of the fourth beast or kingdom. And we know that's the kingdom of Rome, the Roman Empire, that destroyed the saints in 70 A.D. You see there's a time issue here. And, and even, even though we're talking about horns and beasts and things of that sort, this is a completely different account for a later time. Daniel 8, that we've just been studying, 9 through 14, is speaking of the great horn that came out of one of the four horns. Okay? 
You're talking about a completely different empire. Yes. On the head of the beast, that is Greece, the, the, the uh, uh, empire of Alexander the Great, which is the third kingdom of men. You see, Daniel 7, what we're studying there in, in uh, verse 25 of, of chapter 7, is the fourth, speaking of the fourth kingdom and the eleventh horn that comes up as the eleventh king of the Roman Empire. This is speaking of um, the horn that comes out of one of the four in the Greek Empire after Alexander's demise. I hope that's clear. But there's always a lot of confusion there, and many times uh, these things get so confused that people simply wring their hands and say, well, I just don't know. Um, well, it is fairly clear, only we have so much figurative and uh, symbolic language that we've got to remember to keep it straight. You just have to stay, in, stay within the context. It doesn't seem that, I right. mean easy to complicate it Just it is it is especially if, if we start using different words for the, some of the things that are in the text and we've got different uh, versions English versions that don't really match up perfectly with the Septuagint which is English that came from the Hebrew but that's not too big of a problem so that's kind of a review of where we've been where we finished and to wrap up that section because now we want to move into uh, the interpretation. You know, there's always an interpretation to Daniel's visions. If there was an interpretation, we, we really wouldn't know what's going on. But from Daniel uh, chapter 8, verse 15, from 15 on, we have the interpretation and the reason, that the, the why question, I guess, is answered about these things. So let's begin with that, and then we'll, we'll break it down pretty much verse by verse to follow the pattern. So Daniel 8, 15, we'll start reading there. And it came to pass, as I, even I, Daniel, saw the vision and sought to understand it, that, behold, there stood before me as an appearance of a man. And I heard the voice of a man between the banks of the Ubal. And he called and said, Gabriel, cause that man to understand the vision. And he came and stood near where I stood. And when he came, I was struck with awe. And I fell upon my face. And he said to me, Understand, son of man, for yet the vision is for an appointed time. And while he spoke with me, I fell upon my face to the earth. And he touched me and, and set me on my feet. And he said, Behold, I make thee now, now know the things that shall come to pass, at the end of the wrath. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. All right, let's keep going at verse 20. The ram which thou sawest that had the horns is the king of the Medes and the Persians. 
The he-goat is the king of the Greeks, and the great horn which was between his eyes, he is the first king. Now, we've looked at those verses before in this chapter to confirm who the ram and the he-goat is. Verse 22, And as for the one that was broken, that's Alexander the Great, in whose place there stood up four horns, four kings shall arise out of his nation, but not in their own strength. And at the latter time of their kingdom, when their sins are coming to the full, there shall arise a king bold in countenance and understanding riddles, and his power shall be great, and he shall destroy wonderfully and prosper and practice, and shall destroy mighty men and the holy people, and the yoke of his chain shall prosper. There is craft in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by craft shall destroy many, and he shall stand up for the destruction of many, and shall crush them as eggs in his hand. And he concludes with this, And the vision of the evening and morning that were mentioned is true. And do thou seal the vision, for, is, for it is for many days. I'll leave off verse 27. We'll read that that later. Okay, let, let's get let's get some facts down um, pertaining to what we're doing here. Now, this is the vision that was given to Daniel. Remember, the vision was given to him in the year 551 B.C. And this was during the time of the Babylonian Empire. See, we've skipped ahead two empires, even the waning or the end of the other of the third one. Mm-hmm. So Daniel was given this in 551 B.C. while he was still under the king of, of Babylon, the last one, and that is the first kingdom. Remember the different kingdoms: the first, second, third, and fourth. And the statue represented by the statue of man, represented by the different beasts. And, it, and his vision concludes in the year 165 B.C., during the waning years of the third kingdom, as the Bible said. And that, of course, is the Greek kingdom and, and the four different parts of it at, at that time. Now, this is a span of 386 years. Um, I imagine uh, he was pretty much flabbergasted by this passing of time. Nonetheless, let's remember that all of this within this vision, as we have seen from the very beginning of Daniel, is, is done in an effort to show that God is very aware of all that will befall his covenant people. You remember what... What is said all through Daniel, your people, your people, said by the uh, angels in heaven, always speaking to Daniel concerning your people. And who is his people? The Jews. So he, it, it's all about them. It's, and it even has why. 
in, in most cases, that question's answered too. But Daniel is still perplexed. He's concerned over all that he has seen. But God will provide the answers as, as we see. Now, verse 16, the angel Gabriel. And in a lot of versions you might see uh, archangel and this sort of thing. Uh, the angel Gabriel is called to speak to that man, as the scripture says. And, of course, that's Daniel. Uh, and he was to speak to him so that he could understand the vision. So everything is done in order and, and practically. Gabriel is also the angel who spoke to both Zachariah, Zacharias um, and Mary. Concerning the birth of their sons, we find this in the New Testament. Now, the son of Zechariah was John the Immerser, John the Baptist, also called, and Jesus of Nazareth, of course, the son of Mary. He announced their birth. He also announced their name that was given in heaven, and they were to be called the, the very names that he announced, that is, Gabriel himself. And Gabriel is, as he has declares, stands in the very presence of God. So I think we probably know where he got his information and the names. I think we've established his credentials. Yes. Uh, so, as we move on to verse 17. Now, in the the way to interpret this so that a lot of our English Bibles uh, have it, it uh, using the word of time and end. And the vision pertains to the time of the end. But here's the thing about the word end. In the Bible, when you see the word end, you have to understand that things have a beginning point and things have an end point. It doesn't mean the end is the end of all things for all time. <laughs> now, I probably even confused it worse with that. But time of the end, not, and it is not the end of time, you see. It's the time of the end of something. And what is that something? Well, um, this time period could be said to be the beginning of the end, or the Jewish age, the beginning of the end of the Jewish age. Do you remember when the Jewish age began? Long time before Daniel um, was seeing these, these visions. As, as far as we go way back to Abraham, if you want to go back that far, or the giving of the law, which was 1500 B.C., you see, there was a beginning of the Jewish age. The beginning, and I would have to say it's Abraham and the patriarchs. But there was also an end that's spoken about all through the Old Testament and the New. Now, as far as the end of the covenant here that uh, I'm mentioning, there were only 235 years remaining in the so-called Latter days, as all the New Testament writers describe uh, the period that they wrote in. 
And note that this event, the event of these, uh, during these visions, has an appointed time. God does everything in the, in the appointed time arena. Now let's look at one passage in uh, the New Testament to kind of show you what I mean by this and how it was spoken of. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now, Paul's talking about things that have happened to the Jewish people through history and even within the lifetime of those reading this. Now, these things happened unto them by way of example, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages are come. Now, within that verse, we have all kinds of time, okay? Um, and uh, this is how we have to always study the Bible in every place, making sure we understand what the time period. All right. And that's for whose, who's, uh, you know, right. for whose purpose, their purpose. It's the, the, the people that received that letter nearly 2,000 years ago he was talking about, you see, in, in a lot of versions that say end of, end of the world, ends of the world. That doesn't make any sense no. at all. It's ends of the age. Ages. Ages. You see, there's different ages. Uh, different, uh, and, and we know that just by reading the Old Testament. And specifically in verse 19, uh, it's talking about the end of the wrath. Right. That that was going on in the temple at that time. Yeah, it's exactly. not even talking about the end of the total Jewish covenant. They're talking no. just about the Grecian yeah. Uh, demise. Yeah, the, there's, there was a lot of wrath in Israel all through the years. But in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 11 there, we have Paul speaking to the people that were reading that letter nearly 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And he's telling them, that the ends of the ages are come upon them. Okay? You see the time period? And th these are the things we need to understand. Um, because there's, a lots of, there's lots of beginnings and lots of ends of things within the scriptures from Genesis through Revelation. Mm -hmm. Then in verse 19, as we were just talking about, the end of the wrath, you see? And, and there was great wrath uh, in, in many places in, in Israel. Uh, but there would come an end to it, you see? There was an end to it. So the people saw much wrath in their lands, in their cities, and they were being punished. You see, many times these things came upon them that they could uh, redirect themselves in the right direction. And the Maccabees assisted the Jews in those days to do just that. Although um, it, it wasn't completely successful as far, as far as the culture goes in Israel, they still had many problems. So the ends of wrath is just another statement that describes the things happened happening 
um, in, at this time between 170 and 165 B.C. In verses 20 and 21 that we've looked at before, uh, Gabriel clearly defines the kingdoms represented by the ram, Medo-Persia, and the he-goat. Now, can you picture people reading Daniel before these things occur? You need to get that picture in your mind because they had opportunity to do so. Uh, in reading Josephus, who was a Jewish historian of 2,000 years ago, uh, he was reading these things and actually realizing that he was living within the, the time of the fourth beast, the fourth kingdom. And yet he wasn't aware of all the other things concerning uh, the birth of Christianity and that sort of thing. Uh, but he was aware of these things. So we have to understand that the Jewish people had an understanding, uh, at least uh, you know, to one level or another, depending who they were, of these things, and, and that God used this to, uh, to help them, and especially uh, knowing you know, it wasn't just a big surprise. Then we move on to verse 22. And as we know, four kings were emerging from Alexander's kingdom. And we've got to remember, Alexander the Great died mysteriously, very quickly. Uh, if, if he wouldn't have been taken out of the way, maybe it's hard to tell how far he would have went. Although he, he did stop at the the Punjabs, uh, which is in India in that area, and he came back to Babylon. He was going to make his capital in Babylon, but during that brief stay there, he uh, many reports he fell off a horse, he died of a fever, or something of that sort. But when he was removed, we find the four generals taking over sometime later. Uh, it took a number of years to sort that out, too. But the phrase there is, they arose out um, out of his nation, and, and they made their own kingdoms, but not of their own strength. So you know what that means, of course. It's delegated. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's right. It's been delegated. Um, but as far as... What they did, they went back to where they had conquered. In other words, the heavy lifting, as we would say today, has been accomplished by Alexander the Great and his task. So they pretty much held the empire together and for some considerable time under the four different heads during that time period. Now if we look at Verses 23, 24, and 25, all of these verses, of course, are referring to Antiochus IV and his deeds. And I'm very, it's interesting uh, that according to the text in the Septuagint, understanding riddles. Uh, many things were said concerning this man. 
uh, he was he's been given some sort of uh, uh, nearly supernatural abilities. Uh, so it, so it is recorded. Um, we don't know these things to be uh, outside of the idea of understanding riddles. Uh, I don't know what riddles that was he was solving to do his work, but uh, but I think we're trying to see the the, uh, the brilliance of the man as far as what he did in his conquering, but the brutality of of him, uh, I think, uh, was used to to punish, was used to uh, cause the Jews to turn around and become once again going the right direction towards God. And that was necessary. And then in verse 26, the vision is true. Now, like a number of other places in Daniel that we've read, when the, when the uh, answer or the uh, interpretation is given, it always is finished this way. Uh, one time Daniel said this to King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2. But here we find Gabriel saying the vision is true. Um, evening and morning. By the way, that's the way they recorded time then. We were exactly the opposite today. You know, we think the day starts when we wake up um, in most places. But evening and morning is the correct way because that goes back to creation, you see. Um, and and that, that's how they recorded time. Evening and morning. But Gabriel said that the vision is true. I don't want you to forget that. In other words, there isn't any question about the vision being true. Mm-hmm. Now, we can look back on it now. We can look at secular history now and see the vision was true. But when the vision was revealed and when it was written and, and people of that day read this, this would have been confirmation to them from where? From God. From heaven. Now, in, in the last few minutes we have of this program, I want to spend a little time looking at what else it says in verse 26. And in the version I read it says, And do thou seal the vision. Do thou seal the vision. In other words, seal up the vision. Now, we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of things described concerning this vision, haven't we? But there are things that the narrative that we have uh, did not say. There are things that were seen by Daniel that were not written down in the narrative. Uh, that were also not uh, given as an understanding, probably. So these things were not written down. They were to be sealed up uh, for God's purposes alone. Um, So Daniel is not seeing or recording in written form everything the vision had to reveal. Now, let's skip ahead in Daniel. I'll show you, put some meat to this whole thing. In Daniel chapter 12, 
the first four verses. And then we'll go to the book of Revelation. Now I'll show you how this works. In Daniel chapter 12, it says this in the first four verses. And at that time shall Michael, that's another archangel, and he's called the defender of, of the holy people. But Michael the archangel will stand up, the great prince who standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that are wise shall shine in the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn may to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now this is in chapter 12. It's not talking about the account that we've been studying in chapter 8. This is talking about the the, uh, final destruction of the holy people. (coughs) And that was not at the hands of Antiochus IV. But you notice how the instruction was to shut up the words. In other words, there's things that were seen, things that were heard, that are not recorded. All right? Now, let's compare that <clears throat> to Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 10 through 14. Now remember, this is John, the apostle, and this is the vision that he saw and the things that he heard also in heaven. And he saith unto me, that is, the me is the John, the apostle there, seal not up the words of this prophecy, of the prophecy, prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Now let's just look at that verse we see the exact opposite thing, right? Now now we're sealing not up the words, all right? And instead of uh, the uh, time of the end, it's for the time is at hand. So now we have an issue of the time for something to come to an end is at hand here in Revelation. The next verse, he that is unrighteous, let him do unrighteously still. And he that is filthy, let him be uh, made filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him do righteousness still. And he that is holy, let him be made holy still. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to each man according to his, um, 
his work is. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then verse uh, 14, Blessed are they that wash their robes, that they may have the right to come to the tree of life and may enter in by the gates unto the city. Now, within Revelation, we have all sorts of things that, that are taught in Daniel that represent and are covered by the same thing, but not in the, most, not in the perfect chronological order uh, that we find, and that's what makes it a little, a little harder to deal with. Now, <clears throat> there was a time when things were sealed up. Not everything was known. But you see, as it said in chapter 12, that knowledge will increase. How? Well, the knowledge will increase because of the apostles teaching the gospel, preaching that the mystery of the Gentiles and the Jews have been solved. They're now one in Christ. The New Testament prophets. And now we have the revelation of Jesus Christ to John the Apostle. Knowledge was increasing. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of God's will. Knowledge of God's plan. Knowledge of all that is called the grace of God. They, had, they had things in their own time to deal with. It, every detail was not necessary for, for their place in life at that time. That's true. That, that, that's true. And um, kind of... Uh, makes you think about there's so much to do when, where you're at, you know. Uh, don't be adding to the, the burden, especially if you don't understand it. So those things sealed up in Daniel's visions are truly revealed, I believe, in the writings of the Apostle John in Revelation and also in other places in the New Testament by, by the Apostles and um, in the writings of the epistles, and even the Gospels, okay? But John the Apostle doing the most in, in the revelation of Jesus Christ. When was that written? A.D. 62-63, just about seven years before the true, the true end of the age, as it's known. End of the age, not the end of time. But the end of the age, you notice that there, there has been some time passed since 70 A.D. I think we're all aware of that. So it, it's not, it was the end of the age. Something that had begun long ago. A promise made to Abraham, the patriarch. And the promise was that God would restore man back to um, to a spiritual being that could live with him forever and that he could live with. That was the promise, that the issue of sin would be uh, taken care of and accomplished. That was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. And all the other things that had to be fulfilled before this 70 A.D. came around and the end of that age came to fruition. Now, at the end of the Jewish age, remember, what was left was the kingdom. The kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar saw in Daniel chapter 2 
the, 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 the stone cut out of the mountain during the time of the fourth kingdom without hands. In other words, by the, by the efforts of God alone. That's the kingdom of Christ. That continues. That continues. The kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of, of God, who, uh, which are synonymous with each other. That kind of wraps that up, doesn't it? But let's look at verse 27. It doesn't answer all the questions. I'm not saying that, but I, that's, uh, that, that's my understanding. And, and, and we'll go through it and make sure that these things fit. In verse 27, let, let's, let's read it, because this is the end of the chapter. And I, Daniel, fell asleep. Well, I can, I can appreciate that after that. And was sick. Then I arose and did the king's business. And I wondered at the vision. And there was none that understood. The word it is not in the text, by the way. Um, usually I, I read the words, even if they're not in the text, I don't always say that they're not. The idea of Understanding. Daniel didn't understand it all. He wasn't even able to record everything that he saw. He was, everything wasn't explained, but what we have, we have. What he had, he recorded, and that was for the Jewish people to have in the years that, that followed. So chapter 8 is an incredible journey. Um, with a vision happening during the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar or his grandson at this time, going all the way to the near end of the kingdom, the, the Grecian kingdom, uh, coming, waning down, going towards uh, uh, a total end. Remember uh, the uh, Pompey, the first king of Rome, uh, uh, completely uh, defeated the uh, the Greeks and uh, was, took over uh, Israel in about 63 B.C., I believe. So it wasn't that many years before these things were over for the Greek kingdom, even though the influence of them was continued and continues to this day as far as especially the language. If we didn't have the Greek language, we wouldn't be able to uh, understand the Old Testament as well as we do, and certainly the New Testament. And that, that Greek language that was worked on and uh, is credited to Alexander the Great and some of the others. Remember, Alexander the Great was, his teacher, his tutor was Aristotle. So um, they developed a, quite a language that is very precise, precision, and very useful. In Daniel 9... We're not going to be going backwards or anything of the sort. We're kind of skipping ahead a few years, though, right? Uh, because uh, I think we start in about 551, and Daniel 9 starts in the year 539-538 B.C. Um, as it says, in the first year of Darius, 
okay? Now, you're going to find in the history books, if you want to read about somebody, read about Darius the Mede or just Darius. There's a number of Dariuses that follow. But a lot of scholarly people tried to make Darius disappear. Now, they don't want Darius to be who Daniel says he is. King of the Medes, the king of Babylon, um, because Cyrus was, was alive and well during this same period. But they had a cooperation. And we'll probably get into that more as time passes. But those will be our comments for this evening. We are out of time, and I appreciate your attention. Let us close with, uh, uh, offer God a, a prayer for you at this time. Father, we in heaven, we thank you for your word, as we always do, for within it, as your son said to the Jews 2,000 years ago, we find life and a hope of life and certainly the questions answered. And, and that is our case, Father. We find all that is there to be useful to us. May we continue in these things, Father, in a way that, that is appropriate, in a way that's pleasing to you, for that is our desire that we put these things together into a teaching that is useful to all those of our time. And we pray it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.